0: So welcome back here to the F1 Funcast, your interactive Formula One podcast, talking all things Formula One as we wind our way here through the 2023 season, joined as always by Connor, the crew chief Gagnon, and uh, coming to you talking about our our Pacific, uh, Asian Pacific swing here in the 2023 season. We've got a lot to talk about. I know Connor's got a lot he wants to say, so why don't we bring him in? Connor, how you doing?
1: Not bad, what's up everybody um, We are here to talk about the Asia-Pacific swing Like James has just mentioned We're going to touch on Singapore and Forza Ferrari To both you can all stand Because Ferrari is on the top step of the podium for the first time in quite a while um, We finally brought Red Bull's reign of dominance to an end Which was fairly short-lived
0: It was indeed, yeah but, you know, I, I have to – let's just let's just right there. Let's just thank you. Thank you to Ferrari and to yes. Carlos Sainz and to everyone that made that happen because
1: – It was a great race too. It was great a great race, race to watch.
0: I got it on right now in the background here. And it was
1: – you know, it was
0: just so fun to watch something that wasn't a foregone conclusion, wasn't it?
1: It was, it was great to not see first place 14 seconds ahead after 10 laps. Um, and I think – the fact, I, I know it was a tire management race and Science was kind of controlling the pace, um, kind of forming his own little DRS train, but I think that it was still a thrilling end to it because they were so close and they were falling so close together, lap after lap after lap, and it was just it really like anything could happen at any moment. And then that last second... Um, switched to medium tires for Mercedes and they clawed back like a 15 second gap to try and go for the win. I mean, that was, that was awesome to watch. That was,
0: that was a lot of fun. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly when they, you know, when they, they, that was behind the safety. Was it a virtual safety car? They, they were able to take advantage and get onto those medium tires and Boy, that's fun to watch. The team stocking down those teams in first place and the teams up in the front understanding what they need to do to hold position and it wasn't for third or fourth place or or second place. It was for the win of the race and it really I hadn't been as tuned in and as excited about watching the last 20 laps of a race all season long. You know, it was uh, for the first time and and again, you know, Red Bull deserves the credit for making it so boring but it was just it was amazing. And it was, you know, me, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Mercedes, but just the, the strategy and the knowing the deltas and where they needed to be and when they needed to be there. And, you know, watching just something developing that was for a significant win. It, it was just amazing. It was great. It was the most fun I've had watching a race all year. And, you know, probably in a couple of years, because it's just been a lot of the same. And, uh, yeah, Singapore was was a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. Um, and for so Ferrari, what how do they how do they kind of how do they do it? How did Ferrari slay the beast? Was it a Red Bull? I know Max was complaining all weekend about the car was no good, but what was the difference in Singapore than every other race this season? What what was the difference for Red Bull and difference for Ferrari for that matter?
1: Well, I'm going to I'll start with Red Bull and just say that Their car is set up to be run as low as possible uh, to generate the maximum amount of downforce. And they like a nice smooth track so they can run that car low. And they don't really have to deal with the porpoising issues that some of the other teams you see a little bit of still. Um, But they also brought a different suspension setup. Um, Might have been a little bit softer. And it just it didn't. Work. It didn't work with some of the freshly paved areas of the track um, and just kind of the general nature of the track. Red Bull has trouble getting heat into the front tires and it really showed, uh, especially in qualifying, they just couldn't get the tires fired up. The setup was wrong all weekend. They were just struggling with it. They were trying to, I guess, bandage it as best as possible before qualifying and they, they just. They just couldn't figure it out uh, well enough. But I will say that um, they were running, or at least Max was running, quite well on the hard tires to start the race in that opening stint. And I think they had it not been for that safety car, they probably, or Max probably, would have been getting pretty close to the leaders because he was coming up through the field pretty quick. Um, and now, as far as for Ferrari, Ferrari has always had a good history Going around Singapore, and I don't know what it is with their car set it up set up, but uh, they always just seem to have the ace up their sleeve when it comes to Singapore. Um, we saw it in twenty nineteen, saw it in twenty fifteen when Mercedes was dominating, and they came to Singapore and Ferrari was able to take the win. Uh, let's see, they also won in two thousand and ten with. Fernando Alonso, 20... Uh, yeah, I think those are the other ones. Um, but they generally have a pretty good run around Singapore. So
0: It's so unusual. I've got it, like I said, it's on in the background here, and you're absolutely right about watching Max Verstappen make his way through the traffic. And it's just unusual to see that Red Bull have to do that, you know? And that was yeah, another thing that made absolutely. the weekend it was so unique seeing them, you know, out of qualifying and, and then having to drive through the traffic. And you're right, watching it now and thinking about it without that safety car, he might've had a, had a chance, but just fascinating. And it really did make for, for an interesting race and a break in the regular service, which did resume in, uh, in Japan the following weekend. But I thought, um, overall it was just a lot of fun. And, and at the end of the race there with Carlos Sainz being pretty crafty and using his DRS, or, or rather, not using his uh, DRS, giving Lando Norris DRS to kind of fend off George Russell and Lewis Hamilton was really a, a great bit of uh, gamesmanship. That uh, It took me a minute to realize what was happening and why he wasn't pulling away, but then to see him helping his buddy Lando fend off the two Mercedes on those medium tires, that was just something... You know, you don't get as much when there's a team that's like you said 15 20 seconds ahead at the end of the race. It's just uh just a little bit of strategy when everyone's on a similar playing field and it just felt like what racing was, you know, more supposed to be in terms of uh, the the race the racecraft and in having strategy and guile and all these things play into who won the race rather than just, you know, a competition for the bottom two steps on the podium and it was fascinating to watch that and I really felt great for Carlos Sainz because in my mind I always thought you know if if Ferrari's going to get a win it'll probably be Charles Leclerc but Sainz really had the weekend all to himself and uh credit to him and and I thought it was great knowing he's he's personal friends with Lando Norris and he purposely kind of backed up a little bit to give Lando a little bit extra to to hold off uh the charging Mercedes and uh just really fascinating, really fun to watch. I really enjoyed that, and uh, I felt bad for Russell on that last uh, last lap. He lost control, went off into the barrier, and, and ruined his weekend. But uh, you couldn't ask for more. You couldn't ask for more in Singapore, and um, you know that wasn't the start of it for for Ferrari. They had been showing signs since Monza that they were they were kind of putting things together in the right way. And uh, you had mentioned earlier before we started. Recording that you thought the first signs of life for Ferrari were in Italy. Is that right?
1: Um, yeah, I think they're the first strong showing that they had in this recent string was in Monza. Um, they kind of struggled with the setup in, at Zandvoort, but then when they got to Monza, um, they were able to have a pretty handy race, um, I don't think they were ever going to compete with the Red Bulls, but it was fantastic to see um, signs get pole and just send Monza into raptures uh, from all the Tafosi. I mean, I'm sure you heard it during qualifying when the two Scarlet cars crossed the line to set their times. The, you can hear the crowd in the background. It's just, it's, it's an orchestra there. It's just so wonderful to hear everybody cheering like that. Um, I will just say that it was a very, like you said, it was a very crafty move from Science to use Lando as a kind of a, a blocker. Um, and I think that once the Mercedes duo pitted for those medium tires, and they were gaining so much time back on them, um, I think he realized pretty quick that if they get by Lando, then I'm just going to be a sitting duck. So if I can. Kind of control the pace enough where I'm not getting eaten alive, but I'm kind of keeping them at bay just enough where they can't get by Lando because he has a DRS. I'm pulling him along. It just forms a small DRS train and nobody can get anywhere. And I think that was a genius move. And yeah, I, I am also a little bit gutted for Russell. I think that if you look at the onboard. Uh, Lando brushes that same wall on the inside that Russell does, but Russell hits it just a little bit harder um, and obviously breaks steering uh, the control link on his front right and just sends him straight on into the wall. Um, But I think they both Mercedes duo, um, they drove a very handy race, very strong race, and they showed great form, great pace, but I I also would say that we're starting to see a little bit more of an interteam uh, rivalry between Hamilton and Russell, and we saw it this past weekend in Japan as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's um. Well, I I think George Russell has outqualified his teammate multiple times this year, more often than Lewis has outqualified George. And I think do you think it could be one of these situations where you know the old guard and the young upstart are kind of not at odds but their careers are in different points right George is trying to make a name for himself and Lewis's name has been made seven times over and so you know one of them wants to kind of cap off his career with a couple great you know years and and George Russell could almost look at that as not standing in his way but kind of like this is the this is the Obstacle I have to go around if I want to make my name in Formula One. Um, whereas maybe the past year and a half, it could be more of a you know I'm going to take you under my wing type situation. Maybe we've we've moved beyond from under the wing and now we're we're trying to see who you know because they're so they're both so talented that that I can only imagine that Russell thinks if I can out qualify and out finish Lewis Hamilton on a regular basis, I you know that's there's nothing better for the future of my career and lewis is thinking i've got this teammate that's really pushing me and i've got a i've got to show everything i've got every weekend and it's just it's a fascinating you're right about that it's a fascinating combination of young and old and and upstart and legend kind of not not at odds with each other but maybe like you said a rivalry that that where they're pushing each other more than perhaps we've seen in the past that's for sure
1: yeah well i i also think that Russell came from Williams where he was undeniably the top dog. I mean, he, he was the one driving that team forward. And once he got the Mercedes, once he got that seat at Mercedes, he had the upper hand earlier last year against Hamilton because Hamilton just couldn't come to grips with the setup of the car. He couldn't find a setup that worked for him. The, the driving style of the new car just didn't suit him or the, Driving style he was used to, so he was trying to adapt. Whereas George was used to driving a car that was, you know, from a smaller team, and you really had to just adapt to whatever the driving style of the car was. And I think he was able to get on top of it a lot quicker. So he gets the jump on Hamilton last year at the start of these new regulations, and then coming into this year. Hamilton has a little bit more of a footing and he's understanding the car. And obviously now the car is handling a lot better than it was last year. It's a lot more drivable um, and probably a lot more where Hamilton likes to have it. And I think that now that Hamilton's kind of gotten to grips with it, he's taking back some of that territory that Russell was trying to take. And, like what we saw in Japan where the two of them were kind of going head to head. And I think, so what we're seeing is we're trying to, is they're trying to determine who's going to be the top dog next year. Um, They're both fighting for that alpha position. So it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see the rest of the season, how it plays out between the two of them, Um, whether there is going to be contact or not. I don't think Mercedes will let that happen, but I know Russell is he he wants to assert himself in that team, and Hamilton wants to hang on to what he obviously is rightfully owed as being the number one of that team. So I think it'll be very interesting the rest of the season.
0: Right, I, I I think you're you're right on with that, and uh, yeah, Russell. I mean, he has a lot more career in front of him and you do you want to assert yourself as the top dog and and move on and I think at the end of the day it's not a bad thing for Mercedes as a team to have that rivalry going on because then you know they have a good car and if you've got two drivers really trying to prove themselves and uh, they consistently finish top five top six that's that's going to look good in the standings in the constructors on the podiums you'll have you know you'll be fighting for for good position. It's not like they're two two guys racing each other for sixteenth and seventeenth place. They're right up there, so it's it's not bad to have that little bit of spark between your uh, between your drivers. At least in my book, yeah. If you've got the car and you've got the team structure to kind of be able to handle it, which I think they do. Absolutely, I think they do. Absolutely.
1: And, and speaking of two drivers and a team that were fighting for sixteenth and seventeenth earlier this season, that are now fighting for podiums and consistently on the podium the past. No, six, seven races. Can we talk about McLaren and how they started the season with a car that was basically the worst car on the grid in qualifying at the very tail end of the field? They couldn't figure out what was going on with it. And now they are finishing second and third at Japan.
0: They they looked washed up at the start of the year. They looked like they needed an entire team rebuild. They looked rebuilt. lost.
1: They looked so lost. And I think they, they even said it when they unveiled the car they were they were downplaying how good that car was going to be at the start of the season they were saying you know this is not going to be a strong start to the year for us but we are going to develop the car as the year progresses and i think the mclaren to me has been the best um best team so far this season as far as just developing the car, because they've gone from the very back of the field to arguably the second fastest car on the grid now.
0: I It's been amazing. We talked about it last time that they... It was like overnight they brought some upgrades in that car. It's like they they brought an entirely different car to the race. And, yeah, they, they they've done the opposite of kind of Aston Martin, which at the start of the year looked untouchable and looked like they were going to be fighting for those second and third places, and instead... They're dropping, you know, like a not like a stone, but they're they're struggling. And McLaren is really uh, just skyrocketed up the grid, and uh, you know, it's fun to watch because I don't really understand it, how it happened so quickly, and how they got so much more out of the car and out of their upgrades than everybody else in the field combined. It seems like because you know, every weekend now it's Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri started P two in Japan, and I mean. At the start of the year, it's like who's this Piastri? He's going to have one and done at McLaren. He can't finish. You know, he's finishing seventeenth, eighteenth, and it's it's a sorcery what they've done there. And do you have any ideas on on why it is well, that they are so
1: it it seems so much better than they used to. It be? It seems like at the start of the year they were already they already knew that they were going to have an uphill battle. They already knew that their car was going to be. Not very competitive. I don't think they really understood just how uncompetitive it was going to be, though. Um, but Sheesh, they've yeah. they've been bringing steadily bringing upgrades to races. You know, it's been fairly spread out. It's not just race after race after race they're bringing upgrades because you know cost cap and everything else. But they've been bringing an upgrade to every so often. Each race, but it just it it works every time. It never see. It seems like it's very well planned out. They put a new floor on. They put the new side pods on. They reworked the front wing. Um, now they've got a new spec rear wing. They've reshaped the side pods a little bit more. Um, they've done some other work and I don't know if you've looked at the channels on these side pods, but there, I mean, it's insane how deep they are. It's kind of like a, um, a play on the Alpine and Aston Martin side pods where they have like the big, um, tunnel almost that goes down the length of the side pod that creates all the downwash, um, from the side pod, but it's super like sculpted out. Um, and I think they've just they've done a such a great job from understanding what was wrong with the car at the start of the year. They were just trying to figure out what was wrong with it. They were understanding of it and then they started bringing upgrades to the track and what we weren't really expecting was that these upgrades really improved the car and now I think Zach Brown was has said that, what they have now is essentially a B spec car because it's not at all what they started with this year.
0: Right, right. And they've hit and they've hit a home run on every upgrade. There hasn't been a dud. There hasn't been something that uh, you know, there was no there's been a noticeable change in performance after each upgrade, which is really that's a credit to the people, you know, back home at the at the factories and doing the research and the engineers and I mean just the confidence they must have in their their people that are that are making these upgrades and building it out because you know we've talked about it ferrari they seem like it's 50 50 a coin flip when they bring an upgrade sometimes it it doesn't pan out or their performance is flat but mclaren every week every time they brought something it just it must feel good to to bring the upgrade see the performance and climb up the grid every week every week and Boy, and and as a team, you know we've talked about team duos, but Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri, you keep those two together, Th- and I think you've got a, a dynamic duo for years to come. Really,
1: yeah. Well, I think they're they just signed contracts. They're both going to be at McLaren for another three years. So, um, I oh, I hadn't it, seen that. And I, Is that right? And I, and I think, or at least I at least I know that um, Piastri will be. I'm I'm pretty certain that Lando will be as well. I'd have to double check that though. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's incredible to see what McLaren's done. And I guess while we're on the topic of Constructors' Championship stuff, I think they will probably be challenging Mercedes. And is, I think they'll at least overtake Aston Martin because, I mean, Aston Martin really only has one driver scoring points for them. Um, but
0: Sometimes just one driver for the weekend. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, Lance Strolls has a weekend off or... Ridiculous. Yeah, it's... You know, I don't know if you remember, but we've got it on tape. My bold prediction for the second half was McLaren passes Aston Martin. Yeah, it was a bold prediction uh, back
1: at the time, but uh, it's looking like it's pretty likely now. Um, It... it, I I just... Yeah, and they just... No, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, no, I just... I, I love to
0: see it. You know, I love to see it because for the past few years, it's just been Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes... Aston Martin made a cameo, but McLaren seems like they, they really they mean business and they're sticking around.
1: I, I think they definitely do, especially considering they're gonna be using all these lessons this year with all these upgrades and they're gonna be directly applying it to next year's car. And next year's car is not gonna be just kind of plug and play with these upgrades. They're gonna be putting these upgrades on the on next year's car and they know they're going to work, and they're just going to be able to evolve those designs as they go. And I think we could see a much more competitive McLaren even next year. Um, And I think, is McLaren one of the teams
0: that has a whole new uh, factory being built or a whole new research facility? New wind tunnel. It might be Williams, but wind tunnel. That's right. That's what they're having. And so, I mean, that's not going to hurt either if you can... You no, know, because If they put
1: all that together... No, because they'll be able to set the wind tunnel to their own parameters and spef- specifications, whatever they want to do, instead of having to kind of play around with what their host has available. Um, so I think it'll be exciting to see what McLaren can do next year. But I guess as for this year, I think we should congratulate Red Bull, as that was inevitable, that they won the Constructors' Championship.
0: Yeah. Yep, and 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 they did it in a way that is historic and dominating, and uh, they do deserve some congratulations. Um, really, it's it's uh, it's hard to put into words how dominating and how, in some ways, deflating they made the season. But if you're a Red Bull fan, you couldn't be happier with how things have gone, and uh, it is they deserve all the congratulations in the world, and. Boy, it's uh, it's going to be hard to catch him in twenty twenty four too, don't you think?
1: I think it will be. I mean, I just I also want to mention that with Prez retiring, unretiring, and then retiring again at the Japanese Grand Prix, which is really, it was a genius move by Red Bull because they really understood the rule and they found a the loophole in it, which is just a, I don't know, it's a silly loophole, but they were able to negate a penalty they would have received in the next race. Um, in Qatar, but I mean, that was the first time that both cars didn't finish a race this season, so it's it really goes to show how consistent they've been all year.
0: It's amazing. And so, what was the deal with Perez doing that? He would have had to serve a five second penalty in Qatar instead of, um. It carries over week to week with that? I, Is that why? I don't
1: know if it would have been a five-second penalty or if it would have been a, a grid place penalty. Um, and I oh. and I know that grid place or time penalties have kind of been a hot topic as of late, and I think we should touch on that in a little bit here. But just to uh, cap off the thing on Perez, Perez, uh, he had, shall we say, a lackluster weekend with his uh, his incidents. I know his the opening lap contact he made with uh, Hamilton was forced on him by science kind of muscling his way into that, that squabble for position there um, going down the, the front stretch. But he comes back into the pits, gets a new wing, gets new tires. He heads back out there and he was already saying that something wasn't quite right with the car and he went wide through Spoon when he was chasing after Magnussen, and then the lap after that he goes too deep on the brakes and just takes Magnussen out um, and yeah I don't know he's just he hasn't figured out how to really get this car to work for him and I think it's kind of also been talked about that this car is really being been set up for Verstappen for to maximize and the, like the, his driving style and what he likes. It's all about Verstappen and his setups. And even when Perez uses Verstappen's setups, he just, he can't come close. And you saw it in qualifying. He was pretty close to being eight tenths off of the pole time that Max set, which was just a blistering time, by the way. Um, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Perez next year if they're going to... They're obviously going to have to look into replacing him, um, although I feel like every driver that goes in there it's, it's going to be kind of in the same position. They're not going to be challenging Max, or if they do, then you know there could be some politics at play. But yeah... It, it's it's, it's shocking. Spot. It's yeah. shocking to see Perez how off form he is compared to Max. It's he's nowhere near.
0: And it's not not just been the last few. It's been a consistent thing for the past you know twelve months. Is uh, Perez underperforming their their high standards there at Red Bull? And um, it's been. A, it seems like it's been a constant topic of conversation as to whether he's deserving of that seat, or if at least Red Bull believes he's deserving of that seat. And they do everything they can to to quash that. But uh, weekend after weekend, the question, you know, it's not... These questions aren't coming out of nowhere. It's out of his performance himself. And I personally, I think his days are numbered. I think they are, um, too. In terms of as a Red Bull driver. But I don't really see the alternative emerging, especially, you know, Lando Norris, if you said, if you're right about him being locked up another three years, I feel like he would have been a hot name for Red Bull to look at. But it's uh, it's a tough spot for Sergio, and it's a tough spot for Red Bull because, you know, you certainly don't want a Sergio Perez is not a slouch. You know, you certainly don't want a, a bigger drop-off from your second driver next year. But at the same time, it is a little bit unacceptable if you're the world champion, and it's basically... Max Verstappen winning the Constructors Championship for you the frustration has to be real inside that garage. I I mean it,
1: it has to be I mean I know Verstappen is just otherworldly and he's just untouchable this year but that Red Bull is the best car on the grid and there's not even a close second and so you would expect Perez to finish in second place at every race or if something happens at Verstappen he's able to be there to pick up the, the first place finish and get the maximum points available but he's like we saw in uh singapore he starts way down the field on the same strategy that verstappen has and he can't make up any places he's just stuck down there in the midfield and he's not making any right. progress and you're just sitting there wondering like why can't he, why isn't he able to do the same thing Verstappen is able to do? They have the same car, or, you know, close enough. And right. you should be able to make some kind of headway, but he's just never able to maximize with that car. And it's really ever been since uh, Baku when he said, I'm challenging for the title. And ever since then, it's just been... a. Downward spiral, and this is getting worse. Famous last words. And worse. Um, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or a setup thing, but there's something wrong with uh, Perez as far as his his driving right now.
0: And uh, in terms of an Achilles heel for Red Bull, if you look at the teams chasing Red Bull, if you look at Ferrari with signs and the or McLaren with Norris and Piastri, or we talked about Russell and both Hamilton, drivers are scoring. Those points. are all.
1: And like They're heavy all points. good,
0: yeah. Right, right, so that's got well, to be one Martin. point of concern. Well, so that's it, Aston Martin. Martin is almost a Red Bull comparison, though, in terms of one guy always finishing you know, six, seven spots ahead of his, his uh, teammate. And yeah. um, I know we spend a lot of time talking about all the stuff going on in Aston Martin in this podcast, but nothings I don't think anything's changed in terms of their... The split that i believe is happening um i don't think anything will change it must be frustrating no no i think this is what the team is going to be and i think uh that you know there's nothing nothing more to be said i think it's fernando go out there score whatever points you can and have a good time and lance you know we're glad you're here this weekend and yep it's, uh, yep it's it's tough it's tough, but. Um, you hate to see it and you know, so i guess if we're talking about Red Bull and we're talking about Red Bull drivers and uh i've been i've been pretty impressed to be honest with you with Liam Lawson over the last oh, few weeks too. with Daniel Ricart- Ricciardo up so it's been it was a surprise to me when AlphaTauri announced Yuki Tsunoda and Daniel Ricciardo coming back for 2024 so quickly so um, so here Here's, what do you make here's of that?
1: my thought on that because i know Lawson has done just an incredible job being put into the car and in the situation that he was put into with Ricardo being hurt. And after just a couple of races in the car, I think that the reason they're giving Ricardo the seat next year, they're going to keep Lawson as a reserve driver. I think my, my thought about it is that Ricardo is going to have at least until the summer break, to show what he can do and they'll probably make a decision around the summer break or just after it as far as lawson or ricardo because yeah ricardo really didn't have the same kind of performances as lawson but he also didn't get to spend as much time in the car and lawson's gonna have Pretty close to half a season's worth of races in hand to showcase what he can do. And now it's going to be kind of the the ball is going to be in Ricardo's court, as the saying goes. And it's going to be kind of up to him what, to show Alphatori what he can do and prove that he can have that seat. Sure. But the, that makes sense. But the other that thing, the other noticeable thing is. Lawson's also kind of starting to outperform Yuki. And so, what? Right. one of my thoughts right. has been, I know Yuki's contract is coming up shortly. Aston Martin has already said they're going to be using Honda engines for their cars going forward, I think, in 2025 or 2026. They're going to make that switch. I think it would be a wise marketing strategy for Aston Martin to pick up Yuki Tsunoda and have a Japanese driver with a Japanese engine. Um, so uh, That's a good thought. You could ha- possibly have Ricardo and Lawson in the junior team, but uh, that also leaves the door open for when Perez leaves. Who's going to take that seat? My guess would probably be Lawson just because He's the younger talent. He's probably going to be the faster driver. No disrespect at all to Ricardo um, because he's one of my favorites on the grid. I think he's kind of a fan favorite everywhere you go. Um, But I think think that they'll give Ricardo half a year to showcase what he's able to do and give him some actual time in the car and enough time to get adjusted the same way that Lawson is because in Lawson's first race, he was impressive but he was also kind of in the same finishing order as where Ricardo was. And so I think that had Ricardo had a little bit more time in the car, we might've seen more performance coming out of him um, as he gets more comfortable with the car, but obviously we haven't gotten a chance to see that. That's
0: a good point. I think that's, I think that's well said. And, what a luxury it is for Red Bull to have So many good drivers the constructors in hand yeah, and they're they're so you know, if they were eking out this constructors championship, they'd have serious decisions to make. You know, if they were if they were just barely if it came down to the last race of the year or they were really in a scrap for first place, these decisions would not be so easy to make regarding what they should do with Perez, where Liam Lawson's gonna go. I just wonder, you know, if they if they were a little bit Closer to the pack if decisions would be different. But they can afford to give Daniel Ricciardo, like you said, yeah. half a season. They can afford to keep you know, their other drivers just kind of in waiting for something to open up because they've got such a gap to the rest of the pack. Yeah. If they if they were in a different position, they may be making different choices. Well, I don't,
1: I don't think... And just to kind of add on to this, I don't think I can see Red Bull adding anybody into that second seat that's going to challenge Verstappen or even threaten Verstappen. Verstappen's kind of their golden child right now. I think they are going to treat him the same way they treated Vettel for uh, Vettel's four title runs. Um, obviously, 2010 was a little bit of a different story. He had more, a lot more competition. Um, there was like four or five drivers in the finale race at Abu Dhabi had a chance at winning the title and he just came out with it. Um, but 2011, 2012, um, and then especially 2013 when he just dominated, um, you know, he, there is so much favoritism for Vettel and we're seeing the same thing with Verstappen where he's just kind of the next coming of that. And, you know, obviously Verstappen's just on God mode right now. I don't. He's untouchable. I don't. I don't think we're ever going to see a driver in this kind of a mode ever again, uh, or at least not for a long time.
0: But so why rack the boat? Why why bring in somebody who could upset the yeah apple
1: cart well, as they e- say, Exactly. Right? I don't. Th- I don't think they would want to do it because they they would upset Verstappen, and you know who who knows what kind of politics that would bring into play. Um, Plenty. Oh, Plenty. Well, I'm sure there would be a
0: sure. lot. <laughs> he and you know Verstappen does seem like the kind of guy that he could. You know, I get this vibe from him that he could be one of these guys that up and retires one time, almost like a Michael Jordan. Like I'm going to walk away from this and then come. Well, he's back already again. hinted at
1: that. He's already said like I, right. I I have interests other like elsewhere. I don't really care about the records, and I mean, I'm sure someplace in his mind he does, but. As, as a competitor like he is, he wants to go somewhere else. And uh, we've seen him doing sim racing for Endurance Series. So I'm sure he would probably want to dip into during, doing like a, a 24 Hours of Le Mans or something like that. Um, sure. He's also hinted and about wanting enough. to start yeah. his own GT team. Um, so, I mean there's probably a lot of room for him there. He would want to go and compete there because the competition is so much closer and so much more, it's just more competitive, I think. Um,
0: So, yeah, I I think he's got that, he's got a wandering eye and if you upset him, you might might end up regretting it because he's done enough already where he could walk away as one of the all-time great. Oh, absolutely. So why bring in somebody as a second driver, who's just gonna get under his skin and and you know push him too hard, you know, and maybe he wants some competition there in house, but in reality, I think it, like you said, it's his team. And when you've got Tom Brady, you don't sign another Hall of Fame quarterback to try to push him. You just you go with it until it doesn't work anymore. And I think that's what's going to happen at Red Bull. They're just going to have a second car in case something happens to him. They'll have another car to clean up the points, but. Um, It's, it's a lot and looking, you know, forward looking at it with Red Bull and Verstappen. It's going to take a lot of work for any of these teams to, to put him under threat, which is, it's frustrating, but exciting at the same time that, that it's going to happen eventually. And when it does, you know, it will be into a new, a new time in Formula One where, where the races get competitive again. But right now it's like you said, God mode, he's in this, you know, unbeatable streak and, uh, it's just tough. It's tough looking forward to it, wondering how how they all catch up, because they've just got that combination of driver and machine that really... It's perfect right is, now. Uh, it's, it's absolutely perfect.
1: And and I I think, like like we've said before in this podcast, like if you were to take at least just Max Verstappen away, I would say Red Bull, but Perez isn't so much of a factor uh, as Max is. But if you were to just take Max away, the the championship would actually be really good right now. It'd be pretty. It would be pretty darn close. Um, it's a pretty good. It'd be a lot a pretty, of fun. It's a pretty good fight. Like second, third, fourth, are all pretty close right now.
0: Um, and that Singapore race would have been a barn burner. It would have been. You know that would it have would been, been like, incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean it still was right. incredible. But I think the, you know, if you were to take Verstappen away, the championship is unbelievable. So I I don't really think that we can judge like the this generation of cars and this season just because Max has been so dominant i think that like i like i said if you take him away it's a, it's probably one of the best seasons of all time with how close the other battles are but red, sure. red bull have just done such an unbelievable job with this car and they've made it so good for Verstappen, they've dialed it in. The setup is always in such a great window, and it always seems like he's on cruise control. And he's, he, like we've said before, like where he's got like a 10-second lead, and somebody will be catching up to him a little bit, and all of a sudden he's back to setting fastest laps. Like, he, he you know, always has too, time in hand.
0: He never... He never gives time back either. He makes no mistakes. No. He really doesn't give you any any chance to it's it's really it is. It's clinical and it's you know, you're just waiting for that that mistake and it never comes and it's gotta be disheartening when you see that car drive off into the distance, as they like to say, just scampering off into the distance. But it's almost inevitable. um, It is, it is, and you know, and that team has done such a good job that the cars they haven't had much in the way of mechanical failure this year. They haven't had; it's just been. It's what 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 has to happen to, for the field to catch up? Is it going to be the reg changes, or do you think could there be personnel changes, or just you know the cost cap depreciation that Red Bull's facing? Or what? I think. Uh, what, what's it going to take to get there?
1: Well, I think that kind of like what I said. Like if if you take Max away, the teams are all pretty close. But I think that what we'll see, we we have to be patient and let these regulations kind of play out and let the cost cap play out. It is going to level the field off eventually. It's not going to happen overnight because there's always going to be one team that gets it perfect right from the get-go, and then the rest of the teams are playing catch-up. But at some point, these will balance out a little bit more, and whether it's for this regulation change, or if it's 2024, 2025, or going into 2026. I, I don't know. But I think that eventually it will kind of level out a little bit, at least enough to make it more competitive and other teams that are fighting for wins.
0: Yeah, and we look forward to that because, uh, and, you know, I'm not one of these, these guys that is hating this dominance because, as someone who was a wrestling fan as a kid growing up, I've said it a lot of times, but part of the fun is the chasing that title, chasing that guy with the with the thing that you want. You know, you, you, you wanna grew to beat up Red Sox best. fans envying the Yankees. Yeah, you wanna beat the Yankees, you wanna take down the 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 best and you want it to be fun and dramatic and due to your hard work and, and yeah. doing things the right way. And that's what it feels like is going to happen eventually. I think that these and, teams uh, would
1: have more pride knowing that they chased down this unbeatable Red Bull and brought it down that way rather than having the FIA or Formula 1 step in with some kind of a technical regulation that slows Red Bulls down and brings them back to the back. I think that you know, as great as that would be for some people I think some people out there would probably be like yes that would be awesome if they could make some kind of technical regulation like with uh, what they did with Mercedes with the floor edges in 2021 um, to slow Mercedes down, but I think that the teams would look at that and I'm I'm sure they would take it. But there's a lot more pride in actually getting your car faster and faster until you're actually able to chase these guys down on the track.
0: Right, an organic, an organic. Uh... Growth, rather than than someone stepping in and saying you can't do that anymore. Yeah, that's like in any sport you wanna you wanna do it on merit and not because the rules were changed in your favor. You know, which which you see across the board whenever someone's dominating or a team dominates, the rules tend to change to even it out. We see it in football, we see it in basketball. You know, it's and it stinks because you want teams to to win just based on going out there and, and doing the best and being their best and it's tough. But you know, that's the evolution of sport too, is is things change over time and teams dominate and then they they fall off and you know, we're New England Patriot fans. We know all about the falling off at this
1: point. Oh, I don't so, I don't uh, wanna talk about it. We <laughs> just barely beat the Jets this weekend. Um but That's right. Yeah, I no I, I think that's it's a great way to characterize their dominance this season and, you know, I I just want to reiterate: we want to heap as much praise as we can onto Red Bull for the work they've done in the design of the car, and I know that crews worked so hard to make a car that's just that's barely unbeatable. Um, uh,
0: absolutely, and I think I think they might like knowing how frustrated they're making some people. You know, when oh, absolutely, I'm sure Christian Horner is
1: smirking the- somewhere.
0: Oh, uh, sipping his tea hanging out smirking about it on a nice grassy knoll somewhere i can picture him already that guy but he's he, put himself right at the front he's yep. the bill belichick of it all right he's now he's laying the know?
1: benchmark for how all the other teams aspire to be and how they want to run so i think that as yeah. much as everybody hates rebel i think they've just this year especially they've put on such a clinic as far as how you run a team how consistent you can be there's really no mechanical faults you know they're not yeah. they're not blowing engines during a race and having DNFs all over the place they're very they're consistent they every track they show up to you can almost expect them to be top of the qualifying first in the race fastest pit stop best strategy and just untouchable best. yeah so
0: I've, they really are we we noted that watching the Japanese Grand Prix with my wife we were watching and we said wouldn't it be nice to see Red Bull have a bad pit stop and they never do. They're no. always in the two twos, two fours when it comes to stop time. They're, you know, two point five seconds at the longest, and it's just um, you know, they're just so good. We do want to give them all the credit because they do deserve it, and they're they're so good at every aspect of what they've done this year. And um, boy, it's frustrating.
1: It, but at the It same is, time, it's but amazing. Next next year, Red Bull, I think uh, Ferrari, McLaren, and uh, Mercedes are going to be coming for you a little bit harder. But we'll see, because you've probably switched we'll your focus to next year at about the round five mark. So
0: that's the other thing; they've got such a jump on twenty twenty four. That's such a jump; it's yeah.
1: unbelievable. Um, but before, I think
0: you're right though about oh well. I was just gonna say I think you're right though about McLaren probably feeling pretty good about twenty twenty four as well because they're hitting everything. They've done. They must have a good feeling. The end of this year now that the constructors is wrapped up, they can, they can pour into research. They can really focus on. Oh yeah, they're going to all be, these gains they've made. They're they, going to they be heading be the most into next year with team. so
1: much momentum. It's going to be unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I think they might be the the team with the most wind at their back heading into next year is McLaren, and I think that's, I think that's got to be a great feeling for Zach Brown and. and
1: oh, of his, course, I mean they've had such a sharp there. rise from where they started, like we said before. Um. Yeah. So another. Yeah. I know we got carried away there with the Red Bull stuff, and, you know, for good reason, but I just want to touch on one other contract update that we have, and that's uh, Guan Yu Zhou, or Zhou Guan Yu, sorry. Um, I think it's, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah Zhou Guan Yu. Um, I think. He's I, back. I, 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 I know the they, fl- they had to flip it I just can't remember which one's the first name anymore so <laughs> uh, but I, I do apologize I'm not trying to be offensive here but I just can't remember at all how uh, they orient his name so we'll just say Joe for now um, but he has a new contract with Alpha Romeo now and I think that's good for him I think he's been I know he hasn't been the best this year he hasn't had a great year but he's been consistent and I think that's really all that Alpha Romeo can look for because they're really just kind of gearing up for the Audi takeover um, right they right. they know that they're not going to be you know punching for the heavyweights right now they're probably more focused on next year and, and the years coming up and that whole transition that's taking place right now um, so it's actually pretty awesome that they've locked up Joe for at least next year or two.
0: And I think, do they return to China in 2024? I hope so.
1: I hope so. I think, I they, think were, I've heard that. they were supposed to this year, but they were still going through some COVID lockdowns. So they, I don't think they were able to.
0: Um, I think that that's a huge thing. You know, that's a big weekend for them and, and having, having Joe as a, as a driver, if they go back to the Chinese Grand Prix, just for him to have a homecoming race absolutely. would be a great feeling. Cause, it's been a long time since they've had a race over there. And, it, it, uh,
1: it has been, and it's unfortunate because I know they have very passionate fans. They always have a pretty good race, and the Shanghai circuit is just a phenomenal racetrack. So um, I I very much look forward to going back there next year if that's on the calendar.
0: You know what's interesting is we've talked about a lot of uh, people re-signing and coming back for next year. There hasn't been a lot of shakeup on the, on the driver's side this year heading into next year it seems like the grid we started with i know we lost nick devries um but it seems like we might be heading into 2024 with almost the same driver lineup as uh 2023 i mean unless you think red bull is gonna dump a sergio perez or you know maybe alfa romeo moves on from valtteri Bottas, but it's a lot of
1: uh, a lot of extension signing what i I just thought of and what i just remembered i know that I think Williams wants to give Sargent another chance. They're, they're kind of begging for him to give them a reason to keep him for next year. And, you know, I see it online all the time that he's not ready for it and this and that, but we have to remember that he had one year in formula three, one year in formula two, where he only finished sixth in the championship. Um, right. And he was only brought up to Williams because the other two drivers they were looking to sign got SWAT, got scooped up. Um, so they were kind of left empty-handed, and they had to make a quick decision, they signed Sergeant, And it's really no fault of his own. He just ha- doesn't have the experience that he needs. Uh, I think they, if he had had another year in Formula 2 to really kind of come to grips and get up to speed a little bit more and mature some more, I think he would have been in a much better situation. Um but I know that has he improved has he
0: improved much over the year have you seen that
1: I mean he has but it seems like lately he's been making more mistakes and I'm sure that not knowing what your future is for next year is probably weighing a lot into that when um you don't know what your contract situation is going into next year you're putting extra pressure right. on yourself and you're you're making these mistakes that you might not otherwise make, and yeah, I just I don't know. I I wish they would give him another year. I don't know if they will, um, just because he has been pretty accident prone. Um, Have you heard
0: any rumors about like a re- replacement, or is it just a rumor that he's I on did, a hot seat?
1: I did hear one that Lawson might get loaned to them for one year, um, just so that he can. Keep a Formula One seat and keep um, keep up his fitness and keep up his level of um, his level of driving, so it, you know he doesn't kind of fall right. off a little bit. Which right. I think, oh, that's a good one. That yeah. honestly, it might benefit Williams if they have a guy like Lawson and Albon in their cars. Um, I think that could actually be a sure. pretty good driver lineup for them as. And as much as I want to see Sargent back in the car next year, I just, I don't know, maybe Williams keeps him on as a reserve driver so that he can still kind of develop a little bit more, but I just, I don't see them keeping him for next year. He's been making too many mistakes lately. I know he's been showing some flashes of improvement, but it's not consistent enough. Um, but he has, he has six more races to prove himself, so we'll see.
0: It's amazing how the window opens and shuts so quickly. So quick, you know, it's so cutthroat, it's,
1: especially at the lower level. Uh, especially the lower level teams.
0: Yeah, I mean because he probably knows this is his his one chance. Yeah. And um, I have six races. It's got to weigh on you every every turn you take. It's got to weigh on you a little bit. You know, absolutely. You can't mess up. Can't mess up. You can't drive freely when you're thinking about not messing up, you know, and making a mistake. That's well, that'll be one to watch. We'll have to keep an eye on Logan. Sargent we definitely will. That, but...
1: and I, I mean, I look, I just kind of want to make this one last point that, um, like I look, I know he's kind of been accident prone. And I look back to Zandvoort where he had that, um, he had a, steer, what is it, a Steering link failure in qualifying when he hit the apex, like something he mm-hmm. like lost power steering or something like that. And it forced him wide and, up the gravel into the wall, that sound, and that so right. that yeah. wasn't really his fault. But then, in the race, he he chucks it into the into the wall uh, because he couldn't stay in the the dry groove. And you know he was gonna get away with that first accident in qualifying, and he did himself no favors crashing the next day at the race. Um, and then this this weekend in Canada again in qualifying, he was, probably had the pace to make it into Q2 with um, with the sister car. But, you know, coming out of the final corner, he just gets a little loose. He starts drifting it a little bit wide, gets one wheel in the grass, and next thing you know, he's in the wall. And it it's tough to see, but I, I don't know. I think he expects more from himself. I think he knows he can show more. It's just... Is he going to have the
0: time to? You know, his season reminds me a lot of uh, Mick Schumacher's from last year. Very yeah, similar. It's very eerily similar. Of, <laughs> you see some, you see some good spots, and then you just see some some wrecks that don't need to happen, and some, you know, and and that window just closing on you because you, there's a, you can only, especially these lower budget teams, can only have afford literally only afford so many mistakes per year, and. Um, yeah, it's just it's going to be interesting, Logan Sargent going forward, and that would make sense for for both Red Bull and Williams if Leon Lawson was yeah. sent over there for a year. Keep, Everyone benefits keep, from that. Keep deal,
1: developing so. Lawson for a year in, in a Formula One seat, even if if he have, yeah, even if he's at a different team or a lower team on the grid, but he continues being able to develop um, his racecraft and just his ability to drive a Formula One car. And you know, depending on what happens with Ricardo next year, we'll see. We might see Lawson get bumped up, or the year after he might get bumped up into the Alvatore seat, or who knows? Maybe he'll be ready to re- replace Perez.
0: One thing I think we've we've landed on this week is Liam Lawson does seem like he's ready. Yes, and it's absolutely. just a matter of time. Just a matter of time until he has a full time seat somewhere. I hope so because somewhere. he's been
1: showing great form. He's. He, like he was he was put in that seat and there was a lot of pressure i think his that first race he did well enough you know obviously he was still at the back but i mean his first race he was just kind of just keeping on the road at that point but now he's settled in and he's really kind of shown what he's got and yeah i think this kid has a pretty bright future
0: a lot of confidence a lot of confidence i think it's great um any other teams that we haven't touched on that you have anything to say about i mean everyone's You know Haas has been Haas, and uh, we've talked about Williams. We've talked Alfa. We've touched on almost everybody here this week. Anything else sticking out to you that you wanna you wanna get out there for for people to think about as we get ready for Qatar or Qatar?
1: Um. Well, just the fact that uh, Max could wrap up the championship, the driver championship, as soon as the sprint race on Saturday, so he could win the championship on a Saturday, um, if all goes. Right, and all the oh, cards wow. fall in the right wow. way. Um, but I think that even if he doesn't win it on Saturday, he probably will win it Sunday. So
0: we'll see. This is the this is the weekend. This I think is the coordination yeah. This, this is
1: going to be the this is going to be the the weekend where Max becomes a triple world champion.
0: And, and good for him, and congratulations yeah, to him in advance in advance because we know. More than likely. What is it? Like he has to outscore Mercedes by a point or he needs to outscore uh, like for, you know, Fernando Alonso or Louis. Yeah. I, the...
1: I don't know what the, what the breakdown is off the top of my head, but
0: it's, it's not much. It's not much. No,
1: it's, it's... not by much. So, but well, like... that'll
0: be, that'll be good. No, I was just going to say that that would be good. You know, it will be a good weekend for him and it will be a good weekend for Red Bull once again. And, uh, you don't think Qatar is one of these tracks where maybe we could see a Red Bull slippage? This is not. This is not I, like Singapore. I don't
1: know enough about uh, Qatar. I think they've only been there once or twice before. I know they were there during the pandemic year. Um, I think we were there last year as well. I think, um, but I just I don't know enough about the track. Uh, I know it's been used for MotoGP forever, so. Um, but I think two wheels doesn't really correspond with four. So, uh, yeah, I just don't. I'm know sorry.
0: What... Don't don't bet against Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. Definitely don't, not. Don't bet against it. Definitely
1: yeah.
0: not. Yeah. Well, um, I think I think we've gotten everything out there that we need to get out there this week. Um, any other well news and notes other than Max winning the world championship this week? Is there uh, you got anything? You haven't written a book or anything yet that you want to plug, right? There's no, like, book tour <laughs> or the
1: No, nothing. no, but I'm, I'm looking to add to my Formula One uh, model collection at some point soon. So um, if anybody out there has any suggestions that they, they want to see put up on my wall, then send them in.
0: Yeah, send them along. Send along your thoughts and stuff. Interact with us anywhere you can out there on social media at f one Funcast. Or at Connor Gagnon, C-O-N-N-O-R G-A-G-N-O-N. We're out there on all the different social medias. If you go on what they call the World Wide Web, you'll find us. And um, I think with all that being said, Connor, it's been a pleasure as, as always. always. And we're going to be we're going to be looking forward to uh, talking to you after. Is it is it Cutter or Qatar? I, 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 I never think, know. I think
1: it can go either way. I've I've heard di- I've heard uh, I've heard both pronunciations of it, so I kind of I use either one.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not sure. Just go back and forth and offend everybody. That's what I do. When <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure, I just just go back and forth and get everybody upset with nobody that, can so.
1: be offended if everybody's e- equally offended.
0: That's right. That's that's exactly that's the philosophy here at the F1 Funcast. Is uh, just if you're going to go for it, go for it. Just do it. But, I'm also going uh, to be trying to push
1: out a, a solo cast at some point uh, in the next week or so before uh, the next Grand Prix. So, yeah, look for for that.
0: we're going to be doing some of those. Look for those on the feed. We're going to do a little. So, those of you who haven't heard before, Connor and I live and work on like the worst possible time differences <laughs> <It's>... imaginable. He's <laughs> well, on the East Coast. We, we
1: might as well be on different continents.
0: Yeah, he's the East Coast early riser and I'm on the West Coast night shift, so it's really tough to get together. So, we're going to do some solo pods and some some uh, you know, just unique unique situations here on the podcast. It's not like the band is breaking up. We're just trying to make sure to get uh more stuff out to you guys to listen to every week. So, and uh we're looking forward to that.
1: So, do you have Go any ahead. do you have any news for the for the listeners out there?
0: No news is good news as of yet. Um just just the same thing, we're looking forward to Max, and uh, by the end of the season, we're going to have a, a new member of our team out here in California, we're going to have a little little baby girl do any day, so if I have to cut the podcast off short and uh, all that, look on the social media, we'll share some pictures of the world's newest Lando Norris fan when she gets here, but uh, other than that, no, things are good out here, we're just getting through the season. And what a season to to start doing a podcast on where every weekend is a Red Bull weekend. It's been it's been fun. It's been fascinating, but hopefully as we go on through this we have some other winners and we have other teams that we can talk about when we're doing this podcast in 2024, 25. I didn't realize this was going to be the Red Bull cast this year, <laughs> but we love it. Well, <laughs> I, I I
1: I will say that the the trophies they got in Japan were pretty cool, so if if I can yeah. if I can get my hands on a replica of one of those, I'd happily take it.
0: I, it is pretty cool. I was I was watching some videos the other day, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think I'm also starting a little Formula One collection out here. So if you want to interact with us on social media, Connor and I are both looking for uh, for collectibles and, and merchandise. Show us and your anything Formula One. And
1: anything Formula yeah, One? Yeah,
0: send us send us your pictures. What's your prized possession? What's your big collection? You know, do you have a uh, autographed gloves worn by you know a, a driver? Do you have a bunch of mini helmets? Show us what you've got. Send us out there. We'd love to share it. We'd love to see it. We're glad you listened, and uh, we're looking forward to doing this again next week. So, if you don't have anything else, Connor, I'm I think I'm set. getting the signal that I've got a. We're hitting that checkered flag, and we will talk to you guys very soon. Until then, we're
1: out of here. Have a good one, everybody. See you guys.